Hello and welcome to the Room of Lives. I am your host, Neil. In this final part of my conversation with neuroscientist Rishi, he tells me of the intense episodes of obsessive-compulsive disorder around fears of death that he began experiencing in high school, which would cause him to behave in extreme ways such as washing his hands until they bled. We then talk about his interests and experiences in Zen Buddhism, Vipassana meditation, and mysticism, and how these have helped with the obsessive and intrusive thinking. At the end of our conversation, Rishi shares his vision for the near future of his life and his neuroscience research. So you wanted, one of your bullet points was anxiety and OCD, uh, relationship to my mind and to therapy. I'm curious what you have to say about that. Oh, yeah. So I, I kind of wanted to put the OCD piece on there because it feels, um, you know, it's like something doesn't get talked about too much. And I think it's like valuable to talk about. Mm-hmm. But I've had OCD kind of around fears of death, which with a varying severity, it was pretty bad at the end of high school. It kind of came about at the end of high school. It's sort of the reason why I, I took a year off. Year it's off. kind of interesting. Because oh. something similar happened to me at the end of high school. Oh, really? Did yeah, you yeah, like... Yeah. Well, it wasn't It wasn't so intense that I would have to take uh, time off. But in brief, I used to have these episodes that would always kind of be triggered in the beginning by either the question or the uncertainty about who I am. Like, I don't know who I am. And that would open up some sort of void. And that had uh, some strong link with the fear of death as well. As if there was a little clue there that you're no one. Mm-hmm. Um, and that was uh, synonymous with the fear of death. And so that would trigger some sort of an episode that would last sometimes, I don't know, minutes to hours. And I would, there were like this, just this torrent of thoughts and ideas that were kind of uncontrollable. Without a self. About, yeah, about the fact that, oh, your self is ultimately just going to dissolve or whatever. You don't really know. You're not a little, uh, little, um, you know, self-contained little vesicle that is just safe from everything. Here's the boundary, here's you, here's um, the mm-hmm. rest of the world, and you're safe here in your cocoon. Uh, if you look inside, you'll notice that you don't really know who you are, and it's just kind of this huge void that goes back into the world. And mm. <laughs> it's just this yeah, crazy. terrifying, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, yeah. When I was so, growing up, I used to... Rep- for, sometimes I'd re- repeat to myself, I, me, I, me, I, me. Yeah. And I did that a few times, and I'd have this weird depersonalized... Hmm. Since when I know abstractly that Rishi was a person who lived at this address, huh. that I wouldn't feel any connection to. I see. Um, but yeah, I mean, I had this kind of like, <clears throat> sort of the beginning of my last year of high school, I started having these, you know, terrible fears of death, fear that I would get cancer. So I kept checking myself for lumps. Then I convinced I was going to get HIV and various other diseases. I started washing my hands until, you know, until they bled. Hmm. And so I was kind of took a year off after high school and was kind of it was like pretty severe um it got better in college through a bunch of therapy through various other things and it kind of comes and goes but it feels like but there have been various points at which it can be pretty debilitating but also you know something that feels like at this point um it's part of my life and I guess one of the reasons 
to bring that up and anxiety, I feel like, you know, I feel like OCD goes pretty underdiagnosed. A lot of people who could get help don't because they don't know, like, for like a few years I didn't know. Mm. Um, and kind of a combination of cognitive behavioral therapy and various other things helped. But then I've also been in a lot of other, like, psychotherapy, kind of Jungian work and Freudian work and various other kinds of, um, which feels like it's been important to, again, constructing the self I am. I also think the OCD has been important to some of my skepticism of thoughts and rationality because, you know, when you're in this OCD f- state, you can you can either be, you can be convinced you're going to die, you can be convinced you have this disease that seems perfectly rational to you and these thoughts just keep returning and it feels like, and you start to realize that you don't have control over the thoughts and then you start to say, well, you know, if you identify, t- like at one point in my life, I think I identified very much with a voice in my head but to have it kind of to have it experienced as this sort of alien thing that just coming back and forcing you to think about something and forcing you to think about mm. something yeah. kind of creates a situation where you're like, wait, who am I? I'm mm. not this voice in my head. Mm. Things I reason about can change completely. Yeah. Um, something can seem totally rational one moment and totally crazy another moment. Yeah. Um, it kind of like creates that room, which yeah. I think has been pretty productive. It also makes me yeah, yeah. somewhat skeptical about. Yeah. I had a less intense version of OCD that, Eventually, I feel like I have almost 100% control over now. But some sometimes I can actually direct it in productive directions now. For example, if I'm designing something, I'm going to be very particular about where... Like, if I'm designing a website, I can be very particular about where each pixel mm-hmm. goes. Um, in the past, it used to be kind of, you know, not very productive. When I was a kid and someone would gift me a new toy, I had this ritual that I had to go through. I would stand up on the bed and just drop the toy from, you know, about shoulder height above my head. And only if it survived that fall uh-huh. would, I, you know, and as I would do that, there's like the larger part of my head, it seemed was me. Was like, why am I doing this? Yeah. You know, but I just kind of had to. I felt like I had to. And there were all sorts of other things. Like if I turned a switch on I would have to be the one to switch it off and Mm. there was this constant calculation if someone came and switched it off and said I would have to go and find that person and even out their balance and then even out my balance etc what do you think would happen if you didn't or just didn't Uh, it just seemed like it was just a very uncomfortable state it felt like it's just everything was kind of out of balance Mm -hmm. it wasn't like there would be any penalty although the voice in my head said that it was just there was no uh it was nothing about what would happen it just it was just a very uncomfortable situation Mm -hmm. by itself i had just got this thought into my head that this is what it means for this situation to be balanced and then things couldn't be out of balance if i saw something very bright and red out of one corner of my eye i had to balance that out by looking at that thing through the other corner of my eye but if i did it for like a split second more then it would be out of balance again yeah it's just crazy yeah so what did you mean by the phrase relationship to my mind and to therapy i think relationship to my mind meant the sense of Mm. you know feeling like your mind is not your own the thoughts you think are not your own yeah um which can be pretty disconcerting, especially if you're used to thinking a lot. And, yeah. Um, and then, yeah, I guess we don't have too much time to go into relationship with therapy, but mm-hmm. I feel like various forms of therapy really shaped both my sense of self, what I consider myself. Um, <clears throat> yeah, and, and these kind of like visions mm-hmm. of thought. 
So I, I want to also talk about in this context, um, you mentioned uh, spiritual practices slash Buddhism slash studying meditation in Japan and India. So I want to hear about that, but also in the context of these traits that you're talking about, have has meditation been helpful um, uh, for your OCD and anxiety? And then my final question on that topic would be, do you have a spiritual practice currently? Um, okay, so I've been interested in, you know, like various forms of like mysticism and spiritual practice, um, especially Buddhist ones, for quite a while since I was growing up. I think my father gave me a book, on, Alan Watts' book on Zen, mm. which made a really big impression on me. And so I studied you know, bits and pieces of it. Um, I studied abroad in Japan in college for a semester on this pro- this great program that Antioch College used to run where you live in a bunch of Japanese monasteries mm. and you like, you know, you meditate several hours a day, you study Japanese philosophy and sort of art um, and language and you kind of like, you kind of like, play. it's a little bit like playing at being a monk. Mm. Um, so it's a little ridiculous, but it was also great. Like, Is that program still in existence? I think I think it is. Um, it's what un- did you call it? Anti. It was Antioch College. It was a, it Antioch. was an undergrad study abroad program. Okay. Mm. So there were about fifteen of us. Mm. You know, we kind of went through these months. We spent a month each in a Zen monastery, in a Pyongyang monastery, and in a Shingon monastery, which is Japanese esoteric Buddhism, kind of like Tibetan Buddhism. Um, and then, it, you know, when I after college. And for a while during college, when I lived and worked on the farm with this guy, I did a bunch of meditation, like, sat with him. I've had on and off meditation practice, either kind of like, you know, either the sort of Vipassana or Zen. Um, over the years, it comes and goes. Um, I've also done a bunch of, like, you know, movement meditation practices, things like authentic movement, some, some kind of, like, other types of body work. Um, and I feel like They've all been they've all been pretty helpful. I think, you know, specifically, but for the OCD, for example, mm. I think one of the things you really learn to do in cognitive behavioral therapy is just to tolerate your anxious thoughts or your obsessive thoughts without either pushing them away or grabbing onto them, mm. um, and just like being present with them. And that really takes away a lot of the sting of them. And that very much feels like mm. that sounds very Buddhist to me. Too. Yeah, it's like the middle path. Um, and it's like, it's very much exactly what you're doing in Vipassana with your thoughts. Mm-hmm. And then a lot of my interests in, say, philosophy and, and phenomenology in Heidegger kind of like, I think, parallel ideas um, in, specifically in Buddhism, but more more generally. I'm still very interested in mystical practices as well. Um, I have a lot of, it's kind of complicated whether I would say I was religious or not, but I have a lot of sympathy towards a lot of religious practices and towards mysticism. Um, I don't have a formal, I mean, I meditate occasionally. I don't have a formal, like, daily spiritual practice at the moment. Mm. I try and do a lot of noticing, kind of, like, opening myself up to the world and feeling grateful for things and, you know, kind of new agey. Mm-hmm. Um, but not too much that's formal at the moment. I'm hoping to, when I go back to India, to restart, like, a regular meditation practice every day because I feel like that definitely helps. Yeah. I think the last year I've been kind of all over the place and... Mm-hmm. A lot of stuff has gone by the wayside. Yeah, yeah. So then my final question to you is, uh, so you just joined 
UC Davis as an associate professor. What uh, what do you see yourself doing in this immediate future, in this position, and then also in the longer term future? What kinds of projects or ideas about what to do with life do do you have? So I mean, assistant professor sadly. Oh, um, okay. and I think I'm trying to get started with. Um, So these these multiple directions, I think one of the things I'm going to get started with is trying to think about just how nervous systems can hold information over time, even though all of the pieces are kind of like floating in and out. Mm. Um, And I've got some ideas for how to think about efficient communication um, and nervous systems. It's like between networks of neurons, a bunch of mathematical ideas I want to develop based on you know, kind of large, sparse um, neural networks. And then I feel like I'm very much in this kind of space of ferment. I think I've, you know, I've got lots of ideas floating around. A lot of them feel kind of vague or half-developed, but pretty productive. So I'm kind of hoping to use the next few months to kind of get some of those in shape and then Mm. start to expand them out. Um, Think about, again, these, you know, these distributed computation ideas. Think about testing and developing theories that are really tied to data. I want to think a lot more about evolution, how do circuits get repurposed to do different things in the brain? Mm. Um, and so, I guess, so that, was that your question or were you talking about? Well, okay, so that that covers what you want to pursue academically. Mm-hmm. But what about the rest of your life? Do you have um, any plans or projects or visions? Well, I have, like, I, have these, I have some of these writing projects that I'm hoping mm. to kind of... I mean, I think at the moment I'm just trying to looking forward to come landing in a place, creating a community and starting to figure out, I feel like it's been like a very long journey getting to the point mm. where you know, I've moved around a lot. Um, I've changed a lot of like academic jobs and sort of like getting around to the point where um, I can actually feel a little bit grounded and sort of think about settling into a place mm. surrounded by a community and kind of seeing where that goes. I mean, I have a lot of like, you know, extend my spiritual practices mm. Um, yeah, no, it's it's kind of I feel like it feels like everything feels like in such flux, and I feel like I've just about got to a place where I can start to think again about a more long term, mm. and so. Cool. All right. Well, that was a very, very interesting discussion. Well, thank you. That was great. Me. Yeah. But yeah, thanks for giving me your time. That was fun chatting. Yeah. Thank you for joining Rishi and me today in the room of lives. Take care. Until next time. Thank you.